Hey, top of the morning to you, Saturday morning, June 25th. Can you believe it? <laughs> June's done. What, five more days? Next Saturday's going to be in July. Fourth of July, right around the corner. Seems like yesterday, well, we were hoping for spring, and here we are in uh, the heat of summer. And man, have we been getting summer here in my part of the world. Temps in the 90s, wind chills. I know it's not wind chill. Heat index uh, up in the hundreds. 103, 104, 105. Matter of fact, uh, what do we got today? I've just got to look. Right now, we're at 90. But uh, it's going to be up to 98 today. Wind chill, wind chill. The heat index is going to be uh, way over that. So... What is this uh, chunk? All right. Hold on just a second. Let me get this out of here and we'll get going. <laughs> okay. Hey, this is the FBTV podcast Saturday morning Q&A day. That's where we answer your questions. All you have to do is send them to us and we'll answer them. We will answer them here on the podcast. Matter of fact, on Saturday mornings, you can watch uh, the uh, podcast on YouTube. And you can also see it on our website. It will air on YouTube for most of the day on Saturday. After that, it's going to be on our uh, FBTV, Freight Broker TV website only. You don't have to have a membership or anything. It's available to the public. Just go to the live stream. Uh, generally, on Saturday mornings, we'll do a live stream. But, hey, we are in the heart of warm weather, camping, boating, fishing. Matter of fact, we're working on doing some videos out on the water. It's kind of going to give the uh, podcast a, a different entertainment factor, so to speak. I'll be looking for that coming uh, very soon. But uh, this morning, I am out on the water. Okay, so that's why the uh, pre-recorded video podcast, podcast. Now, if you like, you can subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcasting app whatever that might be spotify itunes now i'm i've gone blank there's tons of them out there whatever your favorite podcasting app is uh, just do a search for freight broker tv should be able to find it real easy now q a day if you have any questions you'd like to submit for us to answer on saturday morning yeah you can email them to me Email them to fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. You can go to our website at freightbrokertv.com. We have forms available there all over the website, so no problem. And you can even Skype uh, your question to us. To Skype to us, just do a search on uh, Skype, your Skype app for FBTV. You'll find us. has the uh, logo right here, and you'll know it's us. All right. Okay, June 25th, today is Color TV Day. How about that? Usually something like this indicates that uh, today was the first Color TV broadcast back in whatever year it was. Didn't see that on the uh, list today, but normally stuff like that, that's why it occurs, shows up. Great American Picnic Day. I would have thought that would have been July 4th. Maybe not, obviously. And it's National Catfish Day. This, you know, any time of the year is good catfishing, if you know how to do it. But especially now, they're going to be on the bottom. Uh, I used to, well, when I do catfish, I haven't done it in a long time because I've been focused on bass. But, uh, yeah, I'll rig my line up, put me some chicken liver on it. And, man, that never failed for me. I could, I could bring in some cats now. And, you know, a lot of people catfish in the Arkansas River. I, I, I just don't do that. i got a buddy of mine. You know, we go out on the river occasionally, and he wants to uh, keep those fish, bring them home, eat them. No. <laughs> no. I don't trust the I, I, I don't. I don't trust any river, you know, as far as that goes. Too much trash getting dumped in it. Even when there's not supposed to be, we, we know there is. Can you believe that up there at Mead, Lake Mead? I mean, for crying out loud, uh, it, it fell below the uh, turbines at Hoover Dam the other day. Uh, 36% of the electricity for Vegas is produced there at Hoover Dam. 
people in uh, Vegas, electric bills are going to go up. I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure, don't you? Okay, big talk today. <clears throat> EIA, Energy Information Administration, that's generally who posts the average cost of fuel, usually what trucking companies use to calculate fuel surcharges, the average diesel prices and such. Well, it's, it's not been working. They've decided now would be a good time to rethink their methodology for calculating average prices, which is kind of wild to me because to calculate average price, you take a group of numbers, <laughs> add them together, and then divide them by the number of individual numbers you had to come up with that total, and that's your average. So why, why now do they need to come up with a different methodology? Well, folks, it's the government. And they say their system's messed up. The agency warned that several products uh, releases scheduled for uh, that week would be delayed as a result of system issues. Come on. Come on. Do you think they're going to try to make the numbers look better? That would be my bet. I would not be surprised if it came back and, you know, the word was, hey, we were wrong. These prices are way over-exaggerated. Well... <laughs> Come on, give me a break. It's uh, it, it just makes no sense. Why now? Why not a year from now when, when we're not questioning fuel prices and, and looking at them through, you know, studying them, people watching them very closely. Trucking companies need it so they know where they're going to fall with their fuel surcharge. You know, that even brings to mind, are they doing this on purpose so it kind of locks everybody into a lower transportation rate? I doubt that because trucking companies are going to have to go up anyway. I can hear the trucking companies and the uh, shippers fighting each other. No, you know, there is no average price. We have nothing to go by. So we're locked into this uh, fuel surcharge when really it should be higher. I can see that happening. Hope it's not, but, uh, you know, shippers and trucking companies need to realize they are in this together. Brokers, too. We're all in this together. Uh, now, now, why would the government not want the fuel surcharges to fluctuate or go up? Well, cost of goods go up. More inflation. So if they lock down <laughs> or if they don't publish an average price of diesel... Fuel surcharges stay the same. I mean, a penny here, a penny there. You know, the gasoline tax, uh, holiday, what, 18-something cents a gallon. Woohoo! Even on my gas guzzler of a truck, I think it works out to, like, over a three-month period, I'll save 40 bucks. Do something real. Do something real. Anyway, we'll have to keep a, an eye on that. Speaking of oil industry... Uh, and gas and diesel, <clears throat> meeting with Energy Secretary Jennifer uh, Granholm uh, with oil industry executives to discuss lowering gas prices and boosting domestic oil supplies. Well, the uh, people who attended the meeting, oil companies anyway, say it was constructive but did not produce a major breakthrough. Of course it's not. Groups representing the oil industry and uh, refiners, that's why they talked about and re said about it on Thursday. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall? I am sure that the oil companies probably have some choice words for Jennifer. Probably something like, hey, the reason, the reason oil is so high you know, yeah, let's take Putin out of the picture. Let's take Ukraine out of the picture. The prices would still be high. Maybe not as high, but they'd still be high because your boss came after us. I mean, that's the bottom line. 
you can go back, go back to before Biden when he was just running for president, and he said he was going to do this. But anyway, neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, Biden called on Congress to suspend federal taxes on gasoline and diesel fuel as a way to relieve high gas prices. Uh, now, with a big truck, uh, however many cents per gallon, that, that that's gonna that's gonna translate to a lot because you know they're putting. 300 gallons at a time. Well, maybe not 300, but you get the idea. They got three. Some some of them have 300 gallon tanks. Hopefully, they're not putting 300 gallons in. But uh, you know, 200, 250 gallons on a low tank. You know, 200, 250 times 18. That that, that you know turns into a pretty penny, especially when you're you know over a three month period. That could turn into thousands of dollars, especially if you're a big trucking company. That's going to be a substantial savings. And you're going to have to wonder, okay, you're going to have to wonder if this is something to do with the EIA not uh, publishing average fuel prices, waiting for that uh, 18 cents a gallon to be deducted so they can automatically deduct it. I don't know. It's just nuts to me. Anyway... Uh, Biden is also calling on states to suspend their own gas taxes. Let's see about that. I know Arkansas. And there's a lot of states just went up here recently. They use that money to uh, fund different aspects of the uh, state. A lot of states won't be able to give up that money. So be interesting fun. All right. What is going on today? It's Q&A day. As you already know. Uh, today's impossible question. Let's get to that before we go any further. Uh, pharmacists say this is the number one question they are asked. What is that question? Pharmacists say this is the number one question they are asked. What is that question? Oh, getting back to fuel prices. Uh, since we don't have the EIA, we do have the AAA. They are putting up daily averages. From what we've collected, diesel is now 581 a gallon on average. One year ago, it was 323. Gasoline is now 493. Now this is low grade, not E85, but low grade. 493 a gallon a year ago was 308. This is ridiculous. Okay. All right. Having a birthday today: George Orwell, June Lockhart, Phyllis George, Ricky Jarvis, all born on this day. Orwell, 1984. If you haven't read it, you should. Very prophetic. <laughs> I remember back in 84, everybody was waiting, doing comparisons. Ah, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. Here we are in 2022. It's happened. <laughs> Here's some things you might want to know. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese is changing its name to Kraft Mac and Cheese. Just thought you might want to know that. In case you're at the store... And you can't find Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. All you can find is Kraft Mac and Cheese. Same thing. Bloodhound named Trumpet won the best of show at the 146th Annual Westminster Dog Show. I'm sure Trumpet's owners are happy about that. Gloria Estefan. Who's she married? Blake Shelton? Is that right? I can't remember. Anyway, Gloria Estefan says she's happy that she didn't perform at the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show. She said she would have had to diet in December, and she really didn't want to do that. <laughs> hey, remember the gas station manager we talked about a couple of weeks ago in California who accidentally set the price of diesel at just 69 cents a gallon? And by the time they had realized the mistake, the station had lost $20,000. Well, the family of the guy started a GoFundMe and raised 24000 so they could pay back the station. The station is refusing the money and is instead request he donate it to a couple of charities. But I guess he still is fired. Eh, $20,000 mistake. I get it. But he tried to pay it back. People try, try to come to, you know, anyway, is what it is. 
Now, as a fisherman, if you fish, this is pretty wild, or even if you eat fish, you've heard of invasive carp. Well, invasive carp is obviously a name that whoever has the power to do this is thinking, you know, invasive carp, that sounds pretty harsh. If we rename it, people will eat it. <laughs> they, they're they renaming it copy, C-O-P-I, copy. All the same, invasive. I, uh, I know some people eat carp, but I don't. I, I just it's just an ugly fish you know I, I i don't even like catching them to be honest with you but uh and and i know I, i've seen recipes people brag about the carp and if you cook it right it's good no no i, I don't eat bass either but the only fish i'll eat fresh water anyway will be crappie and catfish now i uh, bluegill I hear is really good too, but uh, I never mess with them. You know the bluegill I get, you know, no bigger than your hand, and and you know you, you know how many you'd have to catch. I mean you catch a ton of them, you know, be a meal. But now crappie and catfish, those are my favorites. All right, this is weird. I mean just flat out weird. Frenchies, yeah, the mustard people. Well, in Canada, they're ketchup people, too. In, in, uh, in Canada, they, they've unveiled their next summer treat. Ketchup-flavored popsicles. Ice pops. Popsicles. Ketchup-flavored popsicles. That just don't even sound good, you know? Anyway... Uh, French is known for its iconic tomato ketchup. Has unveiled the most questionable summer treat, unless maybe you're Canadian. Hey, I'm not knocking Canada. Hey, we like what we like. It's called a French sickle. It's a ketchup-flavored ice pop created by French's. Yeah, the mustard people. You can't get it in the States. only available in Canada. But if it sounds tasty to you, and you think, yeah, you know, that's something I really like to try. Well, <laughs> stand by. Here's the recipe. So you can make it at home. Uh, let's see. Uh, da -da -da -da. Okay, th th this, uh, this recipe is made with 100% Canadian tomatoes, of course. Okay, this will make six servings. You need three one-quarter cups of tomato juice. One half cup of French's tomato ketchup. Two teaspoons of Frank's Red Hot original cayenne pepper sauce. Whisk the tomato juice, ketchup, and Red Hot sauce in a large pitcher or measuring cup until well blended. Now, when you get that done, pour, it, pour this into a popsicle mode of your desired shape and size, freeze at least eight hours or until solid, and enjoy. You know, it might be okay. I like ketchup on food, but as a popsicle, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, uh, a little concerned about that. And usually I'll see a recipe that eh, may trigger a thing or two in my head and... and uh, yeah, I'll step out and, yeah, maybe I'll try it. But, nah, don't think so. Not knocking it. I had a friend when I was a kid growing up. He would eat ketchup sandwiches. Yeah, he'd pour ketchup on white bread. And he would go after it. Each their own, right? All right, Q&A day. Get a question, we've got answers, just get them to us. Uh, again, email them to me at fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. Go to our website, we got forms there, freightbrokertv.com, or you can Skype them to us. Sal, he, uh, he writes in, I'm looking for a career change. I have truck driving experience for four years, looking to get into freight brokering as a broker agent. Don't have any 
experience or customer base. My only fear is if I'll be able to get clients or customers or not. He says, I wasted my money before on freight agent program, and it wasn't uh, that helpful. Uh, please advise. Thanks. Now, if you don't have any experience, it's kind of obvious you didn't do anything from the freight broker agent program. And it, Hey, I'll be honest with you. At Tautoy, we get calls every week from people that spend a ton of money on some freight broker training school or whatever it might be. And then they come to us. And usually we're not even through part one of their training. They're going, man, you've taught me more <laughs> in this one session that I think I learned through the other session. You just got to watch. You got to be, you got to be careful. Now, Sal, you know, this is going to sound like a commercial for Tautoin, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, you ask, so we'll tell you. Your truck driving experience is going to be very helpful. I don't know what kind of equipment you've been pulling, but I do recommend, uh, if you're like most drivers, you've kept pretty good notes about places you picked up and delivered. Be it flatbed, drive-in, refrigerated loads. Start pulling out those notes, get a yellow pad, and start writing down the name of the companies you've picked up or delivered. Write down the city and state and the phone number. And, and since you've been there to these places, you know, write down any, anything you remember. That might be helpful. What you're doing here is creating your original prospect list. Companies you want to call when you're able to start doing so legally. Now, you don't want to make any contacts until you are either working as a broker agent under a licensed broker or you've started your own uh, brokerage under your own authority. Now, <clears throat> understand that it, uh, any any legitimate operation that provides any type of training to work as a freight broker, freight broker agent, whatever, that training is only going to be as good as the efforts you're willing to put into it, you know, bottom line. If you're not willing to put the effort into it, you know, what you've got to do, and, and I'll just tell you right up front, what you're going to have to do in the beginning is stay on that telephone making sales calls, hundreds of them. Hundreds of them a day if you're able to. The point is you've got to build a customer base. That From that customer base, you're going to have a quantity of loads. And that's the, that's the main thing. You've got to have a quantity of loads. From that quantity of loads, it's going to help you get out of that startup period quicker to where you are in a position to start making money. To get you in that position to where you are start or able to start uh, projecting your monthly, annual, weekly income. This takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. A lot of people want it to be now. We had an uh, individual a while back. They came out of uh, independent dispatch service and uh, went through the training. And they thought everything should be given to them on a silver platter. They got upset. Well, no, it's your business. It's your operation. What they were comparing it to a dispatch service. Yeah, you're five, ten percent after you get a load off the load board from a broker. Yeah, it's easy. That's easy to do. Anybody can do that. We've got videos about that. And matter of fact, the FMCSA is doing a study right now trying to figure out what kind of laws they're going to pass if they're even going to allow a dispatch service to be legal. But uh, yeah, you, what the point I'm making is some people just don't want to put in the effort. You've got to put in the work. It's your business. doesn't matter if you're an agent, if you're a brokerage, working under your own license. Man, if you're not willing to pick up that phone and put in the work, why bother? You're, you're, you're just not going to make any money. You're not going to make any headway, and it takes time. You know, the, the mentorship program that we have through Tautoa, the mentorship program provides our clients the opportunity to begin their broker operation as a freight broker agent through us under our licensed brokerage. That allows them to get out there almost well, within a couple of days of finishing training so they can begin gaining the real life experience as a freight broker, as an agent, but a freight broker. Freight broker and a freight broker agent, pretty much the same thing. The only difference is the freight broker 
has the license. The freight broker agent is contracted to that company, legally working under that license, and they're getting paid a commission by the broker from the profit on every every load they move. <clears throat> Even in the mentorship program, we pay 60%. That's pretty much standard in the industry. Now, you say your only fear is if you'll be able to get any clients or customers, any loads, basically. Yeah, you're going to be able to. If you're making the calls, you're going to get customers. Okay, bottom line. You know, getting a lot of people believe that getting a customer as a broker is really hard. But no, that's the easiest part about brokering. Think about it. Your service costs these companies absolutely zero. You're not going in saying, hey... You know, for a thousand a year, I'll help you get trucks. Hey, for a couple hundred a month, I'll help you get trucks. No, you're going in saying, hey, I'm here to help you get trucks. No charge. No charge. You're making your money from what that customer's already paying to move the load. See what I mean? But you're, you know, if you're not going in saying, hey, you know, pay me this much and I'll get you trucks. No, you're not doing that. So you're helping that company stay in business because, believe me, if they can't get trucks to get the loads picked up and out the door to their customer, they're not making money. They can have all the orders stacked up a mile high, but if they can't get the trucks to pick up those orders to get them delivered to their customer, they're not making anything. That person in shipping that is responsible for getting trucks to move the loads out, you know, get the loads to their customer, if they're not able to get trucks on a consistent basis, they're not going to have a job very long. You know, those people in shipping, they cannot call the salesperson and say, hey, you know, I can't get a truck for that load. You're going to have to cancel that order. No, they'll be canceled before the order will. That's how the company makes money. If you can't make the company money by doing your job, you're not going to be there very long. So you're you're actually helping that person in shipping keep their job by helping them do their job. So you see, it's, it's not a big, big risk for a shipper to take a chance on a broker. Worst thing that's going to happen is that broker doesn't produce any trucks. Now that you're in the door, you want to build that relationship. You know, we go through this in training. It's not difficult to get customers and have loads. You've just got to get on the phone and do it. <clears throat> and believe me, one customer with a couple of loads a day doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. you got to stay on that phone. you got to stay on that phone uh, when you first begin your broker operation, you got to stay on that phone till you don't have time to stay on the phone making sales calls because you're too busy moving freight. It takes time. People always want to ask how long. That, who knows? You know, uh, I've had clients a, a month after they began their operation, they were, you know, uh, as agents, they were pulling down $1,000 a week. That's the exception, not the rule, by the way. I've had other clients, few, you know, several months go by. Still trying to move their first load. Everybody's different. What separates everybody? It depends. You know, the people that are getting in there, paying attention to the details, doing the work, building the relationships, day after day after day, even when they don't think they're doing anything, they keep doing it, they are the ones that end up being successful. you got to understand, what you do today, you may not see the results from it for a week a month, two months, whatever it might be down the road. But if you never take that first step, you're never going to complete the journey. See what I mean? Sal may not be the answer you're looking for, but I hope that helped you out. Okay, it's Q&A day. On, well, every Saturday morning's Q&A day. FBTV podcast, you can hear it using your favorite podcasting app. Uh, matter of fact, you can watch it on YouTube on Saturdays. After Saturday, you can find the uh, full podcast video on our website, FreightBrokerTV.com. Now, this is a, it came in Q&A, but it's, it's, well, it is a Q&A. It's, it's, it's from Pete, a guy named Pete. Apparently, he owns a trucking company. He says, uh, a few weeks ago, I dispatched a broker load to one of my drivers. My driver picks up the wrong trailer and takes it to the job site. The job site refused to load the trailer, so I sent the driver back to get the right trailer. Once we got the right trailer and we brought it back to the job site, 
Well, they couldn't load it because the crane, which was set to load it, had left. All right, job site. Mm, there's a warning sign right there. Matter of fact, Peach, should have. You knew it was job site, so bell should have been going off in your head. Your driver should have known. Job site. Better, better make sure and double check. Anyway, we'll get back to that in a moment. Okay, Pete says he spoke to the broker and he asked me to keep the trailer in my yard for a couple of days until they until they rescheduled a different crane. The load was rescheduled for three days later. We took the trailer, uh, picked it up, delivered it, no issues. But there has already been an issue. You'll see what I'm talking about in a moment. Now, the broker's telling me that the customer is charging him, he says 15000 but I, I know he meant 1500 as they had to bring a whole new crew and crane to load the trailer. The broker told me it's my responsibility, the 1500 I told him it didn't seem right. And uh, I'm going to have to talk it over with my insurance company. My question, am I responsible for these charges? I mean, I, I know we didn't deliver or uh, have the correct trailer We when we went to load. And they did have to reschedule a different trailer, but $1,500? Come on. The load only paid 2000 What do you think I should do? The rate confirmation states $100 for missed deliveries uh, and an additional late deliver delivery charge assessed, uh, assessed by the consignee may also apply. Well, you're talking about two different things here, apple and oranges. One, Pete, your driver showed up with the wrong trailer. Whenever, you know, when I was doing flatbed, and I did flatbed, I, I like flatbed. Didn't like tarping, but nobody does, but that's part of the job. And to be honest with you, it always cracked me up when I broke your flatbed freight. And I have flatbed trucking companies say, oh, we don't do tarps. We don't carry tarps. But you're a flatbed operation. Anyway, neither here nor there. That always... <laughs> I get it. Nobody likes to tarp. But come on, that's money you're giving away. <clears throat> or you're refusing because you just don't want to do the work. But anyway, the broker, I'm sure, told you that it was a scheduled appointment time. The driver had to be there at whatever time it was. It was a job site load. It was a job site. Whenever I've had to pick up or deliver freight to a job site, oh, I was always, it was hammered into my head, I better not be late. They had a crane that was scheduled to unload me. Somebody had to pay for that. I'm sure the broker... It was on the confirmation. I'm sure the broker told you. And to be honest with you, if, if I'm the broker and I have a situation like this, I want to dispatch the driver. I want the driver to know exactly how important it is. I want to make sure the right information gets to that driver. I'm not going to give it to somebody else, be it a dispatcher or even a trucking company order, and expect the correct information to make it to the driver. I want to be sure. I don't want to hear, well, I told the driver he didn't do what I told him to do. No, uh, because what's generally going to happen? No, he didn't tell me to do that. Nobody told me. You know, it's one of those things. This way, if I'm the one dispatching the driver on a load like this, I know the driver knew. As far as picking up the right trailer, you know, I'm guessing you had step decks, flatbeds, whatever it might have been. Maybe load boys. You know, I don't know what the load was or whatever. But uh, you dispatch the driver. You say the driver picked up the wrong trailer. The driver should have known what trailer needed to be picked up. He should not have been left to guess. And if the driver called and said, hey, which one should I get? You should not have guessed. You should have picked up the phone and called the broker. Flat out. Now I'm going to back up here. If the broker did not communicate this to you, Pete, well, 
this should fall on the broker. I mean, that's the bottom line. If the broker failed to communicate any of this to you, the urgency, it was a crane job site, but you use the words job site. If you didn't know it was job site till after, but it's really hard for me to, as a, you know, as a broker, it's really hard for me to visualize how a broker could not be specific about this load. This is just one of those things that can, uh, well, be a nightmare. Are you responsible for these charges? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you don't want to hear that. I know a lot of trucking companies are going to go, ah, wait a minute. No. You showed up at the wrong trailer at a job site where a crane and a crew was scheduled. That cost money. Some, you know, your, your guy wasn't, he, she showed up but with the wrong equipment. They couldn't load him. Somebody's got to pay for that crew to be there. It's, it's not going to be the shipper. The best thing you could have done at this point was walk away from the loan. I commend you for not walking away from it. But you should have known. It was a job site. There was a crane. Somebody was paying for that crane. Now they're going to have to have that crane come back out at another time. That's going to be double expense. You got to pay for that. You know, that time's got to be paid for. That equipment's got to be paid for. Used or not, it's got to be paid for. So, yeah, it falls back from you. On you. If you would not, if you would have turned down the load, if you would have, you know, just walked away from it, I, I'll tell you what would have happened. The broker would have ended up, ended up paying for it, probably. Probably. Is it a claim you could follow on your insurance? Possibly. Possibly. You just gotta have to talk to your insurance people. Best thing you could probably do, though, is eat it. They were paying you two thousand. Charge you fifteen hundred for the cost of the crane. Well, you you know you walked away with five hundred dollars on the plus side, not counting the fuel and everything. I understand that, but that that doesn't replace the fifteen hundred. But if you file a claim for negligence, that could increase your insurance premium. You you see what I'm saying? But yeah, I feel your pain, and you go down here, what do, what do you think I should do? Uh, the rate confirmation states 100 for missed deliveries. This wasn't a missed delivery. This has nothing to do with delivery. It has to do with loading. The customer had to pay somebody, had to schedule a crane and a crew to be there to load the truck, to load your truck, and your guy messed up. Bottom line. I know some companies, trucking companies, let that fall back on the driver. The driver messed up. It's their fault. But if you didn't explain to the driver which correct trailer they needed to get, If the driver was unsure and they just backed up and hooked up to a trailer and went on, it's not the driver's fault. It falls back on you. So, Pete, chalk this up to a learning experience. It could have been a lot worse. My recommendation is to uh, learn from it. Take the $500 that you made off of it. Apply that to... Uh, your bottom line, catch your losses, and move forward. All right, continuing on, Q&A day, Fuzzy. I like that name, Fuzzy. I'm sure that's a handle, huh? <laughs> hey, Fuzzy, you got a copy. Anyway, Fuzzy writes, when a broker or shipper cancels a load on a carrier, oftentimes truck order not used as an order, correct? But when a carrier cancels a load, 
it costs the broker time and money to uh, find a new truck, if they're able to. Sometimes there are obvious legitimate reasons. Sometimes it's obvious that the uh, truck just found a better paying load and left you holding the bag. Other than blacklisting the carrier, is there any type of financial recourse like I like the way do uh, like charging a brokered broker order not used fee, <laughs> similar to a truck order not used? Uh, well, no, not 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 realistically, unless it's built into your uh, broker carrier agreement. If they're you know if they uh, you've got to sign low confirmation from the carrier and they back out then you have the right to charge them X amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, there, there isn't. Uh, matter of fact, most brokers, you know, they don't have a contract with their customer. The, you know, the customer, when, it, when it's broker and a customer, truck order not used, more times than not, the broker's asking for it. It's not It's not guaranteed anywhere in writing. <clears throat> but customers, shippers, they know that truck order not use fee is pretty standard. So when I was brokering, if I had the low confirmation from my shipper and a low confirmation from the carrier, everything was a done deal. And for whatever reason, I mean, it's trucking. Trucking happens. For whatever reason, the customer called and said, hey, this load fell through. We're going to have to, you know, cancel it. Okay, understand, as a broker, you've got one chance to get money out of the customer. First of all, you've got to take into consideration human emotion. Your customer, the last phone call they want to make is to call you and say, hey, sorry, but they don't want to do that. I mean, it's bad news. They don't want to do that to anybody. It's it just, you know, nobody wants to give bad news to somebody. So you've got them at an emotional state to where you can get money out of them because they're expecting it. But if you let that moment slip by, you can kiss it goodbye. They're, they're not going to pay you a penny. So what do you do when they give you that bad news? Oh man, that truck's gonna want a truck order not use fee. Probably gonna be about three hundred bucks, two fifty, something like that. We'll see if they'll take two fifty. That's generally how it always worked out. See if they'll take the two fifty. All right, so I got that money to play with. I'll tell the trucking company, "Hey, the load fell through." Now a lot of you are gonna think this is wrong, but this is business. It's not my job to do the trucking company's job. What I mean by that, I will call the truck and I'll tell the truck, hey, sorry, man, the load fell through. It's the trucking company's job to ask me for money. If they don't, it's a done deal. Just like it's my job to ask the shipper for money. I cannot tell you the number of times I called a trucking company and a trucking company say, oh, okay, thanks, buddy. Didn't ask for a penny. And when they did, yeah, I give them a couple hundred bucks, whatever. But it's their job to ask for it. You, you see what I'm getting at? Now, let's get back to what you're asking about. Trucking company taking the load, then calling you. And, and, and most of the time, they're, they're not going to call you. More times than not, what's happening is you've got a small trucking company. And what they've done is they went through the load board and uh, they've agreed to move four or five different loads. And when they get you know, a, a, a smorgasbord of loads that they've committed to, they will decide, okay, which load do we really want to haul? And generally, it's going to be the one that pays the most with the least amount of effort. <laughs> and if you're not it, you're, you know, they're just not going to pick up your load. So this is why I always tell people, you know, when you book a load for a trucking company, follow up. Follow up. Make phone calls. You know, hey, XYZ Trucking, this is Mike Taltoa. Man, I'm just checking to make sure everything's good with the truck. Now, if you call, they'll tell you. No, man, we had to fall out from that. Sorry, we're just going to call you in a minute. But if you don't call, 
you're not going to find out till the customer calls, hey, where's that truck? And now you're in a pickle. All right, this happened to me one time. You know, this, 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 what you, what you stated. One of my brokers came in and said, hey, man, that the trucking company fell out on me. Just fell out on me. And I knew immediately, <clears throat> immediately, after the broker explained to me what the truck said, the trucks, uh, the, the truck told the broker that the uh, their truck broke down, wouldn't be able to pick it up. That is the oldest excuse in the book. The truck broke down. If you're a new broker, my recommendation is never ever tell your customer the truck broke down. That that's that's the equivalent. To the dog ate my homework. <laughs> you don't want to use that. That will tick a customer off quicker than you can say espialidocious. <laughs> I mean, that's just no. If it's a reputable carrier, they will call and say, hey, listen, my truck went down. We're in the shop. We're not going to be able to pick it up today, but we'll pick it up tomorrow. Or as soon as my truck gets out of the shop, we'll head over there and pick it up. That's what a reputable carrier does. They communicate the problem, tell you the solution, when they're going to be able to provide the solution. That way, you're in the know. You can contact your customer and arrangements can be made. That's 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 how you do it. That, that's how it should be done. Whenever you got a trucking company telling, hey, man, the truck broke down, and that's where they leave it, you pretty much know they're dropping your load for another or for some other reason they're not telling you <clears throat> and more time than not it's going to be a higher paying load you know something they're not going to honor what they said they were going to honor and i know there are trucking companies out there going to say hey hey we're just you know turn around turnabout's fair play yeah you know uh, you know you, you got to build your own reputation if that's the kind of reputation you want to build as a trucking company that's fine just like a broker if a broker is building a bad reputation for their brokerage that's uh, their problem, you know. But anyway, I say, give me the uh, trucking company's phone number. I called the trucking company, and uh, I played a little game with them. I called, and I said, hi, this is Mike with Tautoa. Listen, I understand the truck broke down. Yes, yes, it broke down. Well, that's fine. Uh, you can pick it up tomorrow. Not, a, not an issue at all. You know, the load's not... You know, we, we've got a pretty good size window on this. Not a problem. Oh, we, I don't think the truck's going to be ready tomorrow. No, that's fine. You know, a couple of days from now is fine. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. Well, next week is fine. You know, you can pick it up next week as soon as the truck gets out of the shop. I, we really don't know if the truck's going to be out of the shop next week. Well, no problem. Like I said, there's no window. It's not urgent. So when your guy gets out of the shop, you can head over there, pick it up, and we're all good. No, no, I don't know when it's, you know, maybe we better not do that. That's when I said, oh, man, I hate to hear that. We're, we're going to have to charge you a $250 load ordered, not picked up fee. And the guy on the other end of the truck, he come and he do what? I go, yeah, you know, the customer's going to charge $250. We're going to have to charge you for, you know, accepting the load, the paperwork being done. And now you're, you're you know, you're, you're canceling. So there's going to be a $250, you know, load ordered, not picked up fee. He said, hold on a minute. Let me call you right back. A couple of minutes later, trucking company called back. Hey, look, uh, yeah, we're going to be able to pick that up after all. You know, is there a such thing as a load ordered, not picked up fee? If you've got it, you're going to have to have it in your contract. <laughs> you know, something like that. But, uh, uh, fuzzy, you can take that for what it's worth. You know, you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> right. All right. Q&A day every Saturday. Every Saturday morning, Freight Broker TV podcast. Every Saturday, FBTV podcast, Q&A day. If you got any questions you like answered on uh, Saturday morning, well, give us a shout or send, a, send them to us. Email them to us, obviously. Uh, FBTV at FreightBrokerTV.com. We have forms on our website at FreightBrokerTV.com. Skype into us at FBTV. All right, from the Did You Know Department, or is there something else in here? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina lost power the other day, downtown. 3,000 in downtown Asheville. Apparently a uh, 
apparently a squirrel was involved. We've had that happen around here. A squirrel get into a power station and, you know, a squirrel <laughs> crosses two wires and they shouldn't have and causes all kinds of havoc. Okay, today in history, the fork is introduced to American dining by Governor Winthrop. That was on this day back in 1876. Custer's last stand at Bing Little Bighorn in Montana happened. Back in 1938, the federal minimum wage guaranteed workers 40 cents per hour. Now, this is wild. In 1977, Roy C. Sullivan. Now, he's, he was a U.S. park ranger. Anyway, he's out of Virginia. He's struck by lightning for the seventh time, and it didn't kill him. This date back in 1993, David Letterman taped his last late night with David Letterman for NBC. And he was moving to CBS. He'd uh, show up on CBS August 30th. I remember that. That was a long two months. Seemed like it anyway. All right. Anything else? I think that's about going to cover it. Okay. Every every Wednesday and Saturday we do podcast. Uh, the Wednesday podcast, video podcast, is going to be made, made available on YouTube. Saturday, Saturday mornings for Q&A uh, be available uh, on YouTube on Saturdays. Then you can find the entire video podcast on our website at uh, FreightBrokerTV.com. Uh, throughout the next week and you'll find uh, the topics or the Q&A split up into separate videos on the uh, YouTube website from that week make it easier to pick the ones you want to listen to and such keep in mind too uh, we have the uh, podcast audio podcast on your favorite podcasting app anyway that's going to wrap it for this Saturday morning June 25th Freight Broker TV video podcast Go have a great weekend. Unless, of course, you've made other plans. We'll see you after a while. (laughs) 